0: I want to thank you all for coming a very cold, snowy evening to hear the Torah on issues of the day. I was given a very difficult topic, an assignment I did not take lightly. My topic is Hellenism today, secular values versus Torah values. I would like to divide my presentation this evening into three parts. First, to describe to you a little bit about the history of Hellenism, specifically as it pertains to the story of Hanukkah. That's obviously the connection of this topic to the month of Kislev that we're in right now. Then I'd like to discuss The general response to Hellenism, specifically in modern times. And finally, I'd like to discuss this very catchy flyer that you may have seen with its list of uh, artifacts relating to U.S. culture, which are very, very. That's the lemaisa part of this uh, presentation. Okay. Chanukah commemorates the victory of a group called the Chashmonoim, or sometimes the Maccabim, over individuals, or we can call, Hellenists and their non-Jewish supporters. It's important to know that the word Hellenism, the word Hellen means Greece, refers to the influence of Greek culture. Greek culture, which to this day is considered to be perhaps the preeminent culture of Western civilization as we know it, as it moved east from Greece and arrived to Egypt, Syria, and ultimately to Eretz Israel itself. And what did this culture stand for? Well, in terms of practice, There were certain philosophical emphases, the Greek philosophers, there was Greek literature, and there were libraries that housed books. There were theaters where plays were performed. There were gymnasia where athletics, a very primitive type of athletics, took place, there were stadiums, etc. When Hellenism spread east and came near Eretz israel it, like most other cultures of the world, before and since, had an impact on the people of Israel. You may know that greatest ruler of his time, and perhaps maybe even of all time, Alexander the Great, had a tremendous influence on this region, founded a city named Alexandria in Egypt, which housed a significant Jewish population, but also a significant non-Jewish population, which was largely influenced by Hellenism, as we can imagine. And this led to an openness to Greek <coughs> culture within a practicing Jewish community. A community that observed Torah and Mitzvahs. Not only that, you may be familiar with the, what the Chazal say about the big shul in Alexandria, shul Mitzrayim, that it was so big you couldn't hear the chazan. And not because there was noise like some other shuls, but you just couldn't hear the chazan the shul was so big. They had to wave flags to let you know when to answer Ame. But this is also a society which was open to the Greek culture. And Greek culture meant universalism. There was a monarch in Egypt at the time. His name was Talmi. Talmai HaMelech, as it's referred to in the Gemara Masech of Megillah, who ordered the Targum HaShivim that the Bible be translated into Greek and our historians teach us that the Jews in Alexandria were, were quite pleased because living this kind of a life, again an observant Torah life, but open to Greek influence, they felt validated that the Torah would now be available in Greek Our rabbis of blessed memory took a different approach. According to Chazal, the day of the Targa Mashivim was caused not for celebration, but for fasting. The eighth day of Teves was pronounced a fast. Because our rabbis in their prescience, in their long vision, were able to see that far from being something that would be down to our benefit, would be perhaps an opening to terrible events in the future. Let's put this in a historical, historical perspective. Most of us are familiar more familiar with Jewish history than with non-Jewish history. Well, that's the way it should be. We know, if not from the history books, but let's take Pirkei Ovos. A good place to start. When the base of Megish, the second, we're talking about the second base of Megish. There was Anshe Knesset Agdola, and you open the beginning of Pirkei You see the first name that appears as an individual is Shimon Atzadik. Shimon Atzadik, the Gemara tells us in the, the Yuma, Samachtes Hamanaleh was a contemporary of Alexander the Great, and as a matter of fact, he saved Eretz Yisrael as we know it from Alexander the Great, who had designed to destroy the Ves because someone said that the Jews were rebelling against him, and he set the record straight. Those of are familiar with the Gemara, Alexander knew that this was the image of the individual who appeared to him before all of his military victories. It's an amazing story. Just to give you a historical perspective, when this took place. So therefore, Hellenism at this point in time had not yet reached Eretz Israel proper. Not much. However, after Shimon HaTzadik passed from the, from the scene, those who remember Perk I believe the next one is Antignosh Ish Socho, Kibel MeShimon This is in the beginning of the Perk And in his time, already there were weaknesses in the, what we'll call the Torah-observant Jewish community. Because that's, that's the only community that really existed as such. And what he said in Pirkei Avos was, Do not be Rav, Pras. Don't serve God in order to receive reward. You all know what that means. There is a reward, but your intention should be Lishmah and not for the sake of reward. But as Chazal teaches us, he had two students, Taduk and Baisos, who misunderstood or misinterpreted and said, there's no reward. And therefore, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you will die. And as the Rambam teaches, although we know that Stukim are those who deny the Torah Shabbat, that was a facade. What they were really doing was denying Torah in its entirety. Why? Again, eat, drink, and be merry. Why can't you keep Torah? And eat drink and pre And the Gemara tells them the Massechle Sanhedrin again. Sanhedrin, we are taught, going back early, to much earlier generation: Lo avdu yisrael shebedor hahua with That the people in the generation of the desert worshipped idols in order to remove any constraints on their behavior. There was nothing which was against the law of Avodah Zarah. And therefore, for their lusts and their passions not to be considered sinners, they just simply changed the religion. And according to the new religion, on the contrary, they were adhering with great precision to what the new religion taught. The same thing happened at that time. And as a result, it began to get into Eretz Yisrael proper, the influence of the Greeks and of Hellenism. To make a very long historical story very short there was a Hellenist named Yosef Bentuvia who was the nephew of Chonyo who was the Kohen Gadol the son of Shimon HaTadik. So we're just going down to generations Khonyo, the son of Shimon HaTadik, was a Kohen Gadol a, a righteous person his nephew there's a whole story about the, the, the tribute to be paid to the king of Egypt Wasn't paid, he went to the king of Egypt, and instead of saving the people, he put himself into a position of the the chief tax collector. He put himself at the power. Seized from the Kohen Garo the traditional power of the purse. He was a Hellenist. From that time on, incidentally, there was no longer one individual as Shimonat Zadok and as Antigonus. He had these Zugos, the two, the pairs that go right through to Hil and Shammai and beyond perhaps in order to be able to counter the influence of the Hellenists who began to take over. What happened was, the Syrian influence prevailed over Egypt in a military campaign and a Hellenist, another Hellenist, who changed his name to a Hellenistic name, Jason, the brother of Chonyo, Went to the king. Now, the king has a famous name. His name was Antiochus. Now we're getting back to Hanukkah. Uh, everyone knows Antiochus. And he bribed his way to the position of Kohen Goro. Gave him a straight bribe. Give him a bribe. Okay. Became the Kohen And he introduced Hellenism into the very precincts of the temple. So that right near the base of Migdish, they established a gymnasium all these kinds of athletic activities which are done in the news. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, a uh, uh, few boys on the corner playing softball. It was uh, more than that. But you know what? He wasn't Hellenistic enough. Because he was basically a Shavu Mitzvah. So, but he did the most terrible thing by opening the door, by paying money, to the king so it's obvious once one guy pays money to the king another guy can simply give more money to the king so there's another fellow named um, Menanius, who wasn't even a coin, who became Cohen Godel that's a good trick for money you get honey and he was a real Hellenist he, uh, he was obviously mean, not even really observant in the full sense and they started a fight between the two of them back and forth and Antiochus sent a garrison of Syrian soldiers to establish law and order in Jerusalem. Okay. What happened then is that they brought with their religion with them. Their pagan religion with them. The Greeks, by the way, were rather tolerant. Well, so the historians teach us that the Greeks did not bring their pagan gods in Jerusalem. It's not fair. It's their place. The Syrians had no such compunctions. And this is what, according to the historians, led to the revolt Famous revolt of, of, of Matisio, Yehuda Maccabee, that hmm, they were bringing about a right into the doorstep of the base of and the rest is history. So the Greeks, to summarize the Hellenistic culture, believes more than anything else in the wisdom and in universalism. They decry the particularism, which is so. Critical to our existence as a people, they denied, as the Maral explained, and as Rav Hutnat and his forum, they denied the Asher Bokharbonu that we are that Jews are a special people. They denied the Asher Lonu, that the Torah is a special safer, They met the regular book with regular translations. That was their essence. And it's this. This is the Hellenism of which we speak. What is our attitude to begin the second part of this presentation towards Hellenism? Historically, there have been three attitudes. One is to run away as far as you can run. This continues to be the attitude in certain parts of the Orthodox community today, the Hasidic community, we'll call it the, I uh, do what a proper word to give it, the uh, absolute yeshivish community that tries to el- eliminate all, Hellenistic influences whatsoever as they perceive them. Nothing was let in. And <laughs> they try. On the contrary, there are those, the opposite direction, who embrace Hellenism completely. Completely. But, unlike the, we'll call the so-called Hellenists of old, the original ones were Shomri Mitzvahs. Today, these Neo-Hellenists have abandoned Torah mitzvahs. And has been pointed out in recent literature in the state of Israel, where Hanukkah is one of the most widely celebrated holidays. Whose victory are they celebrating? These individuals, unfortunately, by now they're most of Matinok Shanishba, unfortunately have abandoned the basic observance of Torah and Mitzvah and are celebrating Hanukkah. What was Hanukkah? It was a victory of the, the people who were completely devoted to Torah and over the misyavnim. some of whom were also Shamri Torah and Mitzvahs. Some not. They had non-Jewish supporters as well. But if, had they been living at that time, these people, given their present mindset, would have been on the other side. I believe the most famous of the Israeli journalists who's written this time and time again is a man named Shmuel Schnitzer who wrote for Ma'ariv for many years. And I brought with me a book. It's a fascinating book. It's called Athens in Jerusalem which describes uh, very, very interestingly the influence of Hellenism on Jerusalem of then and Jerusalem of now. And there's a quote here from this aforementioned Mr. Schnitzel. and I will read to you a few lines from this quotation. He says as follows. Israelis who are prepared uh, to give everything up today are worse than the classical Hellenizers. Why? For the latter, the Hellenizers of, y- of yesteryear were prepared to belittle themselves in the face of a great erudite culture that reached artistic heights. The modern Hellenizers has appealed to us in the name of a dissolute subculture, a culture of money and glamour, hedonism and permissiveness. This is a non-firm person writing, by the way. A culture which produces hardly any values of its own, has no Olympus of its own, peopled by a group of gods, who no matter how debauched they were, nonetheless observe rules of good and bad, permitted and forbidden. The gods of the new culture are not heroes of the Greek tragedy. They are representatives of decadence. Their culture is the cult of drugs and pornography, addiction and exhibitionism. Long ago they did away with all shame and from Greek culture they adopted mainly perversion. Wow. If I would say that they'd say he's a canoe. But this is coming now from a, a non-observant individual who's just a keen observer, if you will, of the, of the Israeli scene. Unfortunately. And I'm saying again, most today are in the category of tinoch Shanishba. They don't know any better. And it's interesting. What, we use the word Maccabee, the word associated with, you know, Maccabee, the great Yehuda HaMaccabee. What is the word Maccabee associated with an Eretz Yisrael? What is it? Soccer. Or Olympic type games. Exactly the kind of the sports that was introduced by the people fighting against the Maccabin. What an irony. When I was young, they taught us Hanukkah songs. So oh, Haneros Halal was one of them. But the Zionistic songs had a different uh, flavor. One of them was called Mia Malel." But the Miyamalel is really a Zionistic song which talks about Israel, God's name as I mentioned. Right? It's all about this kind of military might because you see, the Zionists adopted the Maccabees as their heroes. You know why? Because they fought. They didn't go like sheep to slaughter, they fought. So they became Zionistic heroes. So they had to adopt them as heroes and take away what was really the essence of Yehuda HaMakabee, which was Torah Mitzvah. Just read the history books from all angles. The, obser- the Jewish, the non-Jewish, the secular, the religious, they all tell you the same thing. That these Chashmonam, the Maccabees, Matasio and his children were devoutly observant Jews who just couldn't take it anymore. This And they went to battle. And the total secularist Zionists use these Maccabees as their heroes. An irony. It's a cultural battle in a sense. But let me get now to the second part of the second section, which is the beginning, take us into the third. Which is, we are not, most of us in this room, in the category of the Hasidim or the, uh, the part of the Yeshivish camp that rejects modernism entirely. Nor are we those who embrace it entirely in and to those who abandon the Torah and the mitzvahs. So for us, therefore, we're left in the middle of a difficult problem on a daily basis. Which parts of modernism do we accept and which parts do we reject? I changed from Hellenism to modernism, but as we heard, it's not clear which is better and which is worse. Just that you won't recognize the things as Hellenistic, but as modernistic. But it's really uh, quite similar. And I believe that this question is a doubly difficult question. One I'll call intrinsic. Intrinsically, objectively, leaving out all outside considerations, which parts of the secular culture are worthy of adopting or studying and which parts should be rejected completely. That's referring even with a guarantee of a continued adherence to Torah mitzvahs. But perhaps even a more pressing question is what do they augur for the future? If individuals will accept upon themselves a more modern lifestyle what will happen to their children? Some of us know about the story and we'll say since the enlightenment there was a movement called the Maskelim Pascala. Most of its original adherents were Shomre Torah or Mitzvahs. Milano Godol from Moshe Mendelssohn, who according to all reports, was a shomer Torah or But as the generations went on, they all became Christians. And similarly, most others, they gradually drifted away and became non-observant. And if they didn't intermarry, they were completely assimilated. This is something which must be taken into account. Whatever a person does, he has to realize it's not only for himself, but it affects his generations as well. The original generation didn't change the practices, but they changed the value system. Hence, my title, Secular Values versus Torah Values. Values! We're discussing a community, Baruch Hashem, are observing Torah mitzvahs. We want to know about values tonight. And unfortunately, historically, as they adopted the secular values, it led, ultimately, in the modern era, to an abandonment of Torah practices as well. Until now, it wasn't that way. Until the French Revolution, the ghetto walls fell down, until that time, by and large... Unless you were the minority that just opted out completely, converted to Christianity, or maybe joined one of those wayward sects of of stukim tztuk, of or karoim that ultimately just disappeared, if you were part of the fabric of Claudius Yisrael as we knew it, means you were observant. You may not have been learned, but almost always you were observant. So there were historically individuals who were. More in tune with the modernism of the time, whether it be philosophy, which was studied in the Rambam's time, which was studied in Spain. Yes, it had a negative impact in the Inquisition, but for hundreds of years of the golden age, the people by and large Shomer Mitzvahs, who adopted the significant parts of the modernism of the day, in France and Germany, they rejected it. So you had different camps. But since the ghetto walls fell down, unfortunately those who weren't able to withstand the temptations of secular values, they, or at least their children, abandoned Torah practice. Not just Torah values. Wholesale, not retail. And that is why, in the, in the years following the French Revolution, maybe the century and a half or so after that, most of Claudius Yisrael changed from being observant to being non-observant. That's just the reality. Don't, don't let want don't to let tell you differently. Pre World War II Europe was mostly non observant. Not this nostalgic Altaheim, you know. With the, this is the reality. I remember the Rob telling us about when he went to Vilna on his last trip? <laughs> it was, among the younger people, there was, no one, there was no one to be found. They were just lost. It started with accepting the secular values. But in contrast to what happened in previous generations, look. You have secular values, but you're not going to leave Shabbos and Kashrus. We're going to go. You have to keep it. You have to be part of the of the of the community of the Kahila. The kehilas fell apart. The ghetto walls broke down. And it just drifted into the into the society at large. And, it again, and the reform began and the whole the whole other all the other manifestations. Zionism, secular Zionism that went back to the to the to the to the Maccabees that they understood it. Very dangerous. remarkable. In the very last couple of pages in this book, it's a 480 page book, he talks about the idea of what would happen if a Hellenist would appear in today's world. He said if a Hellenist came today he, he wouldn't recognize he, w- he wouldn't recognize what's going on over here. He says, Where's Shabbos? Where's Kashris? He says in the olden days the culture of Greece impacted on Impacted on who a Jew was. Okay. Judaism in every historical period until the modern era was a totally different entity from the Greek and Hellenistic entities. You could tell right away who was the Jew, who wasn't the Jew. See, he was a Hellenist. He was a, a kind of more of a modern Jew. It was clearly distinguishable. Today, as unfortunately we know too well, he'd walk and he wouldn't know who's Jewish, who's not Jewish. Unfortunately. And therefore, the danger is greater. The danger to ourselves and to our children is greater. We have to be more careful. And if that's the today of 20 years ago, how much more so the today of today? When even those few uh, boundaries that used to exist, no longer exist. This leads me to my final part, which is, U.S. culture. Practically speaking. Again, we're not in the extreme camps of adopting everything of U.S. culture, of rejecting everything of U.S. culture. We're sort of somewhere in the middle. But where in the middle are we? It's a big mill. So I'm going to go based upon the, my script. Okay. The first thing is television. Television. You know... I, I grew up with a television in my house. In the 1950s, we watched television, and I must tell you, it was, from the best of my recollection, it was fairly harmless. I really, I really, I really that to be the case. Uh, we watched The Lone Ranger and uh, Father Knows Best. I, just, I remember this. I have warm memories of these of these uh, programs. And, you know, I don't. I really don't believe it had such a terrible impact on me. I mean, ideally, I should have been learning mishnayis. Okay, but, uh, but you know. And if a people sometimes make a mistake, oh look, I got. A t- I grew up with a TV in my house, so why can't my children or grandchildren have a TV? What's the difference? The difference is the TV. That's the difference. You should read some of the articles. The time hasn't allowed me to read from them that I've read recently about television. I don't have one. But just reading about descriptions of television by not necessarily Orthodox Jews, not necessarily Jews. The, I guess in the Lone Ranges there was an occasional killing that somewhere out in the Wild West. But apparently today there's so much violence that it, 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 it jays the soul. But even that is nothing compared to the, to the decadence that's available on the screen. They were c- counting in a recent article I read, I believe it was in the U.S. News, how many acts of violence a child who watches TV in a typical number of hours is exposed to until he turns, let's say, 13? I don't know. What the, what the, I forgot exactly that. Thousands of acts of, of violence and even more thousands of acts of immorality. How explicit it's demonstrated on the screen, I just don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. It's not what it was in the 1950s. It ranges from explicit to, almost explicit to, uh, that's all, and, that's, and, that's, and that's the scene. That is, that's what goes on. It's all day and all night. And some people are, in fact, all day and all night watching these things. So that all of our children who are, who are exposed to this are unfortunately growing up with the, we'll call it the surabia of different sorts. Of all sorts. You know, for the, uh, apparently, what I read in this article, some a husband and a wife, that, 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 that doesn't make the TV. It has to be either extramarital or it has to be uh, homosexual. It has to be something, you know. Uh, <laughs> and that's what it is four little innocent souls have been corrupted in our own homes I really believe that when I was going to school then you know in the, in the late 50s and they said oh TV is to'eva toeva sovi get rid of the TV I think at that point in time I think it was overstated I really believe so but today it's probably understated I really, I really believe so I don't see what's to be gained by having it. I think the losses certainly outweigh any possible gains. Then there's, of course, the Internet. That's not one of the things on the, on the script, but it's, 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 it's right there. It's a much more... That's where, it's, that's where it's difficult. It's easy for me to tell you. I don't know. I have no idea in this room who has a TV who doesn't... I don't know. But I can get up. I think I can say without question, in my opinion... No one has to listen to me. But in my opinion a television is dangerous in your house and you're better off without it and you won't lose anything if you get rid of it you can get the news in other ways internet's more difficult people are making their parnosa with the internet They're ordering airline tickets on the internet and all the various, I'm not going into the details, I'm not familiar with it of course Torah was also on the internet if am, I, am I correct? so there you go it's interesting, Satma has an internet site. On the first page, I'm told it says, <laughs> if, if you are a firm Jew, you don't belong here, get off. <laughs> That's what I'm told. We don't have that at the first page of our... No, okay. That's <laughs> we'll a it. maybe at, a, at a, some meeting or not. But seriously speaking, the internet is something which has many. What, are we, what is the internet? It's a facilitator. It facilitates Torah, it facilitates commerce, and it facilitates, if you read recent publications, pornography. The, I'm told that the majority of hits are, are pornographic. The absolute majority, not a plurality, a majority. It's mind boggling. It's dangerous in your house, it's dangerous in your office, it's dangerous everywhere. And I can tell you, from personal experience, that the shaylas sometimes come to me, of individuals who fell into—let's well, be blunt—I've been talking here among friends—who fell in with shixes as a result of the internet. Now there were shixes before the internet, and there'll be after the internet. But I'm just giving you a reality check. It happened, and it can happen. It's dangerous. You have to be careful. Fashion. Back to my script. Fashion is a combination of chukas and pretzels. That's what it is. You can make it an arithmetic equation: chukas agoyim plus plus pretzels equals fashion. Again, it's a very dangerous thing. You have to be careful. So are we all going to dress like they do in in Monroe or in New Square? Not happening in West Hempstead. Just not happening. I'm not expecting it to happen, but nonetheless. You have to be careful not to just assume that what's going on in the streets is, is acceptable to us. Celebrity. Here's a very, very painful, painful to me. Celebrity means that there are people who will keep Torah Mitzvahs who are in our high schools where they're studying in the morning about Chumash and the pictures on their walls are not pictures of Gedol Yisrael but of the heroes and heroines of the world of Hollywood and of rock. Dangerous. It's secular values. They could be, keeping, they could be putting on film every day. They could be going to yeshiva every day, keeping Shabbos and Kashos, but their' secular values. They're hanging from the walls. Dangerous. Sports. Now you get me. Sports is already, uh, technically speaking, sports is neutral. We grew up, so we played sports. We played baseball. We played basketball. Okay. But, although it's technically speaking a more neutral kind of an activity, if carried to an extreme, if on the wall is pictures of the sports heroes, dangerous. Now, thank God, instead of the baseball cards, you're going to have your Get dolem cards. Right? So, you know, I'm not much into that either, but at least uh, it, it's something to consider. Cars. It's also neutral? But, shouldn't become a religion? Oh, I have a Lexus. I have a Jaguar. You know, a car is supposed to get you from here to there. I have nothing against four-wheel drive. But it shouldn't become, you know, your, your, your whole... That's your value. Generally speaking, if I just have to summarize, whatever is neutral and not negative in this whole U.S. culture will add technology, science, etc., should serve for higher Torah values. There should be means to the end. The end is Torah values. The means, are all these things. You use the Internet for Torah? Fine. Cards for Torah? Fine. Even sports for Torah? Fine. Other things I don't know if we can somehow get in, (laughs) but the Torah value has to be paramount. Finally, is business business? People have to make a living. It's a, it's a, it's a real sakana for someone who feels business is the highest. The dollar is the highest value, which is even in America, which is not beset with the problems of decadence, you have the dollar as the highest value. For us, the dollar is also only a means to an end. A wonderful means. With dollars, you can build schools and schools and get stock of the chesed. You can do so many wonderful things with dollars. But don't be duped into the secular value that the dollar conquers all. Chas v'shalem. That would be a terrible thing. It's a great Nisoyon, the Nisoyon of wealth. One of, its trapp- one of its trappings of this Nisoyon is to become similar to the Goyim. You know, I'm wealthy and he's wealthy, so, you know, we'll rub shoulders and, you know, that's what's going on today. I spoke about it in Yeshiva just last week, about the, as it was the non-Jewish holidays of this month and the, the various business parties. Watch out. Watch out. Many years ago, I'll, I'll conclude with this thought, I was privileged to hear a Shia from my Rebbe, Rabbi Aaron Talavethek, Zechot Tzadok Levrocha, on Parshas Vayishlach. This week's parsh The parsh of Yaakov and Asif. And he taught us that although we are required to be friendly with the non-Jews, Rabbi Aaron was, a, was an absolute... I learned, I learned with him in the 60s. He was a 60s liberal. He really was. Those who knew him then, Absolutely. You have to take care of the non-Jewish causes of various types. But he was so careful to be precise in his Brisker terminology. Friendship, yes, he said. But fellowship, no. We're not supposed to eat with them and drink with them. We have to take care of them. If they have a problem, we have to, it says in the dark including burying their dead and then tending to their sick and supporting their poor. Absolutely. But eating and drinking with them and, and imbibing their secular values? No! And that's sometimes a difficult line to draw. In on Garati we read, V'tayag mitzvah shamarty is not enough to keep the mitzvahs. Rashi goes on, V'lo mi I didn't learn from his general way of thinking from Lovon. I remained independent with Torah values, as my values. And then, Rav Salavachek Zichrona Levracha taught us, a lesson I'll never forget. There was a wrestling match between Yaakov and the Sarah Shalesov, Shalaisov. And Rashi has two pshat, and either to throw dust, Avok, Often by Vayichovek, to hug. And Rabaran al Lerucha taught us that throughout the generations they threw dirt at us and dusted us and we survived. But when they hugged us, we became wounded. When was the wound inflicted upon Yaakov Avinu? By Alos HaShachar. Rabbaran taught us Alos HaShachar was the enlightenment just before the dawn of the, of the Mashiach. That's where we were wounded so mortally, so terribly when the majority of our people have fallen by the wayside, and therefore, to conclude, there's room for dispute for machlokas to shem shemayim. How many? Of the modern, a.k.a. Hellenistic artifacts. Should we be utilizing, bringing into our homes? Let's go back to the very beginning. I'm speaking to you in English, not in Yiddish or in Hebrew. I'm wearing Western dress. Many of us have English names. Some say it's all terrible. Go to the Hasidic community and we reject all three. The Mitzrayim, we rejected all three, did we not? Led to the Zidula. By Moshes, the Tshuva, there was only in Mitzrayim before Matan Torah, and now we don't have to reject them so much. I'm not going into that right now. Just to give an example. The technology, everyone accepts. Hasidim also walk around with cell phones. But the culture... That's where it's tricky. Tricky. We have to know, whatever we accept from the secular, modern, Hellenistic culture of today, we should keep in mind two things. Number one, we should recognize the more we adopt, the greater danger we're in. And, number two, whatever we adopt, we're adopting these secular practices, implements, but not the secular values. The values must remain Torah values. And whatever we take into our, into our homes, into our lives, are only a means to that end. May it be Hashem's will that as we celebrate Hanukkah, we accept upon ourselves these Torah values. Stay away from assimilation The December holidays. And yes, engage modernity, whichever way we decide to do it, shame shemayim, for the sake of heaven. And then, hopefully we'll have the the d'shemayah to find the proper path for ourselves and for our children. Ad v'yaskol tzedek v'mher